Good morning. Um, little technical difficulties there. So um, I just wanted to make sure the updated link was posted uh, accurately for people. And we'll see what happens. Um, so good morning, good morning. And this is a new time. We'll see maybe if this one works better for people. I'm not really sure. Um, so we'll just kind of play around with some different times and try to find some times that fit really well for people kind of across multiple time zones. Um, all righty. So it's Saturday. Yay. Um, we'll just start by asking if anybody has anything they'd like coaching on and you can raise your hand. You can go into the chat and write something down. Okay, cool. So we have somebody that's, um, requesting coaching. And so what I'll do is I'm just going to rename you really quickly. Uh, and we'll say, uh, um, I'm just going to rename you so that you have some privacy. Here we go. Rename. And we'll say allow to talk. There we go. I'm obsessed with auroras right now because of uh, like Northern Lights. So amazing. Okay. Not the Disney queen or whatever. Disney princess. Hi. Good morning. Hi. What's, what's on your mind? Um, so I recently started a new job a couple of months ago mm -hmm. and, um, I was excited to start. Um, it was, um, a job that I was initially going to take a couple of years ago. Um, but then I turned it down for the job that I then ended up taking. Mm -hmm. Um, That's interesting. and it was really, yeah, <laughs> it was, well, it's interesting. We've been playing this like tango for a few years where, I turned them down and then during COVID, um, I reached back out to them, but they had a contract out to somebody else. And then last year when I was looking for jobs again, they um, just happened to out of the blue text me and say that person turned them down. Was I still interested? Mm -hmm. um, and so I was excited to start because it is the exact opposite of my previous job. Uh, my Ooh. previous job was this terrible hospital employee job. This is a small private practice. It's very much about, um, please the doctors. Um, so it was nice, you know, it's been nice to just kind of be the doctor, yeah. um, over the summer though, they, um, had a ransomware attack, which affected their financials and has then sort of affected, um, how they're starting with me. Um, okay. I thought I was sort of taking over a retired doctor's practice, but mm -hmm. in the three years since he left, um, they have lost basically all of his volume. Um, so I'm starting a brand new practice essentially, which I didn't really anticipate. Um, but due to some of the financial troubles, um, we have our own little surgery center right next to the office. Um, but there's been some issues with trying to get me um, surgery time there because um, they can't, they don't want to pay anesthesia, the stipend to come if, you know, there's not a lot of cases. And so I'm starting um, cases sort of later in the day, um, which is making the staff upset. And actually some of the staff has quit, not necessarily because of me, but because of other reasons. Um, so Anyway, this is kind of all leading to the story where um, they said I'm doing pretty well there. I'm starting off 
much better than I thought I would. I think it's a little mm-hmm. slow, but maybe I need to adjust my expectations. Um, the managing partner a few weeks ago had asked to meet with me over dinner for a new opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I thought it can't be that great if you want to meet with me over dinner instead of just in our office. So I thought, no big deal. Maybe you just want me to take call at a new place or something. Sure. It turns out that that surgeon I replaced didn't actually retire. He had basically taken like a sabbatical for family reasons and he is back in the area and he wants his job back. And mm-hmm. they are, they are talking to him about hiring him back. Um, in my opinion, we don't really even have the volume for me to practice totally in my subspecialty because I didn't realize I, um, I happened to find his case logs um, about a week ago. And it turns out he was doing like half general and half subspecialty. Mm-hmm. And I was told, oh, you can come and do your whole subspecialty, but I'm seeing the volume now and thinking that maybe that's going to be hard to do. Um, in the spring, the group had opened a second office that isn't doing very well. I guess they didn't really vet it. And um, no one takes call up there. We have no relationship with the hospitals. So what this guy has done is he has proposed that he leave his job, the group open an office where he is um, Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, whatever he has a following, um, even though he works for a big hospital. So once he leaves, the hospital is just going to absorb those patients are probably not going to find him. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said, what are, how are we going to ensure that this office is not a bus like the other one? And what he wants to do is get connected with the hospital there and propose that we take every other night call. Um, and so when I've, so first the meeting was just me and the managing partner about this. Then he wanted me to meet this other surgeon um, to quote, see if we got along, but I don't know how much you can really tell over a two hour dinner. Yeah. Um, so be, and in my con, this, I mean, this is obviously to me, makes me feel a little undervalued, but I would not think this isn't such a big deal if it wasn't how my contract is structured. Um, If I don't make my numbers this year, there's a pretty big salary cut for the second Mm -hmm. year. And I wasn't worried about it because I felt pretty confident, you know, before I knew that they lost a lot of volume, I felt pretty confident that I could make the numbers. Mm -hmm. But now I'm concerned that someone's going to come in who does the exact same or come back really does the exact same thing I do it's going to cut what volume I do have in half because then they're going to start splitting referrals between us. And then the response is to take every other night call to make that up, which is not, was not at all ever anything they had discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I mean, I feel a little undervalued, like they're not even giving me a chance to develop the practice. I definitely understand what they're saying. They need to get more cases in the surgery center. They need to make more money. Um, but I literally just got here. They're saying I'm doing great. So, you know, why can't we wait like six months and see how things go before trying to bring back somebody else? Um, I also think it's really shady because I asked them how long have they been talking to him? Mm -hmm. Um, and they said it was before it was the time between I signed and to when I started, Um, so I think that, I don't know, that just seems really shady to me. Um, but it's, it's been upsetting. Um, of course they did these meetings right before the holidays, which kind of ruined the holidays. Um, but it seems to be compounding other issues. Like I can't get the surgery time. Um, the staff there has not 
uh, worked in my subspecialty. So even like they're great. The staff is great. They want to do a good job. They just, you know, they haven't had the volume for what I do to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a case I did, um, which was like the worst case I have ever done, um, right before Thanksgiving. Um, and of course it happened to be in an employee's family member. Um, and the patient's fine, but the case did not go well. I couldn't finish the case. And she actually ended up going to, you know, another, like the academic place in town to have the rest of her surgery done. Um, and so I was very upset with that. They had meetings Mm -hmm. with me on preceptorship, like not for this, but just that it's something they think they should do in the surgery center, which they don't do. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of nervous with all this. So it's interesting. They have this preceptorship yet. They haven't precepted any of my surgery since then, um, which have been going well. But I think what makes me very, very nervous about this is that my last job, which was horrible, they were go, you know, they were going to hire somebody else, which I knew um, they wanted mm-hmm. to build a team. And I thought that person was going to be the buffer between me and the awful, awful chief of service. And that person's first day was my last day. So I'm really nervous that they're telling me, oh, you know, we won't do this if you don't want us to. Um, This is just for the business, blah, blah, blah. But I'm really Mm -hmm. nervous that when he comes back, because there's not really volume for two of us. So they're going to say, oh, well, he's back now. You're out. Yeah. Okay. So there's like a lot to unpack here. Yeah. And, uh, And so for the purposes of this forum, let's sort of figure out like one aspect of it, because what I'm hearing you say is, is a few things. Number one, it's a place that you had been talking to before. Like you described it as a tango, um, Mm -hmm. you know, cause you were thinking about joining them before. And then you didn't, you had this whole other experience, which sounds like it was some somewhat traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And then now you're back. Now, the second thing is, is it sounds like you're describing a bit of a um, bait and switch. Like they had, they, they kind of um, the job that you thought you were signing up for was something. And now they're saying, well, it's probably going to be something else. Yeah, it was like pretty stable for three years. And I think this whole cyber incident and financial issues has caused the bait and switch. Okay. So there are some things that happened, probably part of which is attributable to COVID because private practices all over the country were suffering during COVID. So the fact that they survived that, the the fact that 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 group was stable enough to survive COVID is actually really good. And then, but now the cyber attack, and now we have Kelly on the line too, who knows a little something about that. So we'll ask her to speak up. Um, and then, uh, And then now this guy who you thought was retired is coming back possibly. And in your mind, there isn't enough business for Mm -hmm. you to, to make up your, your volume that you need. Otherwise you're going to take a pay cut. Yeah. The feeling that you mentioned a couple of times in your thought download was the undervalued or devalued. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So is that kind of the primary feeling that you're feeling throughout all of this, or is there some kind of a predominant thought or something we can kind of grab and work with? Um, So I do think it's the undervalue. So I've tried a sort of um, doing some of the coaching model myself, knowing Mm -hmm. that the thought is the undervalue. um, And then just, you know, trying, because then obviously the thought is, oh, that I've 
don't value myself. And I was like, well, I feel that I value myself, but I'm also very scared because the last time this happened, I thought it'd be such a great opportunity to mm-hmm. have somebody more senior come. And then I didn't have a job anymore. So I think it's Got like it. undervalue with fear. Cause there can be, um, some positive to him coming. Um, I haven't done general for my specialty in a few years. Um, mm-hmm. and so I know what to do. It's just that I haven't done it in a little while. So, you know, it's like a little hesitance. So yeah. it would be great to have him there to like double scrub cases with mm-hmm. for that, mm-hmm. but not for anything else. <laughs> yeah. So, so is it undervalued or fear, which do you think is a predominant feeling you're feeling? Um, Probably the fear. I think the undervalue is like the secondary thought in terms of like the yeah. OR time and stuff. I think right now it's the fear of, oh, he's going to come and then I won't have a job and then I'll be in the same situation I was in two years ago. Okay. So this is really important to tease that apart. So he's, the thought is he's going to come, he's going to come and take take my job or take, how did you say it just now? He's going to come and take my job, replace me and replace me. And then also there's this like underlying piece of history is repeating itself. Right. Um, and you know, I feel like I've done, um, so far, whatever I can to help bring volume to the business. I actually made really big inroads with a group that hasn't previously referred to us. I took a positive patient experience the other day and said, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm here. You know, they had no idea and they want to start sending patients to us. So I feel like in terms of that contract, I'm doing my part to build a practice and do as much as I can to help Mm -hmm. the business. But then I feel like they're now starting to thwart me. Okay. So when you are from this energy of fear, what is it that you're doing? Because reaching out and kind of making inroads with another group in town is not coming from energy of fear. I wouldn't think, I would think that was coming from a different energy. What do you think? No. Um, what is happening? So I, it's like starting to happen, but my, um, personality and need to succeed is kind of preventing that is Um, so what I, so I'm very good at marketing myself. Um, Mm -hmm. we have a marketer, but I'm like an old millennial. She's a young millennial. We don't agree (laughs) on how we should do things. So I am very much like, I like meeting the doctors face to face. I Mm -hmm. give presentations. I'm very social and they've all appreciated it. And that's how I've gotten my referrals. So after this happened, I kind of felt like, well, what's the point in doing that? If I may not make my numbers anyway, um, but then I go ahead and do it because I just feel like that's, you know, the right thing for my practice is to right. go market myself. Um, but I will say I'm feeling a little less enthusiastic about being so available. So if I see um, a patient who I think could benefit from seeing me like a day or two earlier on my schedule, I will call, I will have them come in, I will stay late if they're late, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um Now, like this past week, for example, with my schedule, when I saw that, I was like, well, why am I rushing to bring? Because it's it's so that they don't leave and go to another practice. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, well, why am I rushing and bringing someone in if they won't give me, you know, time for the OR and if they don't respect my volume? So I think that's the feeling I've had this week is um, why bother? 
to sort of put myself out there um, and do a little extra work if it's not going to matter. Okay. So what I heard you say there is probably coming from the energy of fear is that you're holding back your availability now, like before you yeah. kind of like marketing yourself. And now you're like, well, why am I even doing this? Yeah. So from that, from that energy, it's like, hold back your availability Qu- question. Why bother? What else are you doing from that, from fear? Um, because I, so because there's like this secondary issue of the OR availability, even when I get patients, I can't operate on them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have a patient who, um, if I couldn't get him on time, his insurance was going to switch with the new year. Mm -hmm. And when I brought this up to the managing partner, we might lose an operative case. It was, oh, well, it's not like his insurance pays us that much anyway. And I was like, well, do you want me to do the case or do you not want me to do the case? Um, you know, on one hand I hear, oh, we need to make more money in the OR. And then the other hand, when I have cases, it's, oh, we don't care about that case. Um, so, so, so I feel like I've, I feel like I've disengaged a little bit because prior to this meeting, um, I did really, really like my group. I don't love the city that I moved to. That's like a tertiary issue. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm like very disappointed with this new place, but I liked the job. Um, and so I said, okay, maybe you stay here because this job does not really exist anywhere else in the country. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I definitely feel a little less disengaged. I feel a little less excited to go to work. Um, you know, I kind of, when I have free time, instead of like hanging out with the staff, I just stay to myself in my office and get my stuff done. Okay. So what I hear is, and this is not from judgment at all, because I think there's multiple factors at play. And I actually, um, just, you know, I kind of get into that trauma recovery mode where when you've had another experience that was traumatizing you, your body has like a set response and it's what it's like a learned behavior. It's something that we've typically had since we were kids. And so it can be really hard, um, to overcome that when we're in that trauma response. And so one is flight, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you had some degree of flight from this other experience. And now it's like, in a sense, this holding back availability, the questioning, the disengagement is a, is like a form of flight in and of itself. You're anticipating this trauma coming. Yep. Um, so the point is, is that really, if we look at this, if you're feeling fearful, which I mean, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. If you've already had another experience and you're like, this is the evidence that your brain sees right now, right? It's not a problem that your brain sees that evidence. It's like normal that your Mm -hmm. brain sees that evidence. But what this, all these actions do is basically pave the way for you to be replaced. It's like, you're making it easy for them to replace you. Oh, that's true. Um, so let's just like take a moment and sit with that for just a second. And while we do that, I just like for Kelly, if you have the availability, Kelly's on call. So if you have the availability to kind of comment on this unintentional model, that would be so good. Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. First of all, you're loved, you're seen, and you're an amazing surgeon. I see a lot of 
just you know the to be aware and i think what jess is really cultivating is like just be aware of of what's happening because there's a lot of you know reacting to the situations around you and i would encourage you to be like where's my power in this what do i want what do i where do i want to be and it kind of shifts things to be like that's important that's not important that's important that's not important and kind of just helps with the the energy of like because we all have this you know limited energy right mm -hmm. and it just helps with this energy of like what's important for me today what are my goals where do i want to be with this place kind of like almost from like a grounded thing instead of like oh now now covid now this guy now because there will always be the wind the wind is always blowing like mm -hmm. shit's always coming down the road and to get to the point where you're like oh yeah well like I, I've, i'm on call i literally just had this guy come he's like yelling at me on the phone and like i reacted at first and then i caught it and i'm like this is just him being pissed it's not me you know it's like in in cultivating that place where you're like, I don't have to give this energy today is, is so much power. Um, so yeah, I, I just see like you being here and you starting to cultivate that awareness is going to give you so much more going forward to be like, nope, not, not today with this. Or I want to be very intentional about when I speak to this person, this is my goal. Uh, if if that makes sense. And I think just, you know, in talking about this and getting it all out, just starting to see what am I creating in my life is incredibly powerful. How was that? Good. You sound like a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been working at that for years, so I'm glad it shows. So just coming back to the unintentional model and understanding that it's normal that you're, you know, you're in this new job. There are these things that we could have listed out in the circumstance line, like COVID private practice, uh, cyber attack. Um, you know, guy leaves guy comes back, uh, all kinds of stuff we could put up in the circumstance line to kind of be more specific about that. But none of that really matters. If, if you're thinking, well, he's going to replace me and the same thing's going to happen that happened at my last job. Mm -hmm. um, so my question to you is, is you, I mean, you mentioned like not wanting, possibly not having that be a good fit with you, that, that city, but I just like to offer that, like, look at how many of whatever the specialty is exist in any given city. So I think about this a lot because I live in Orange County California. It's the sixth largest mm -hmm. county in the country. So I kind of have an idea about the population size here. And I kind of get the same sort of scarcity when I'm like, wait a second, there are like a lot of flippant orthopedic surgeons here. Cause I'm an orthopedic mm -hmm. surgeon. And I'm thinking, how is it that I like, how am I going to survive here? Cause I'm in private practice too. And I actually want to dial back my practice. Um, but when the rubber meets the road, my practice is busting at the seams because of who I am. Everybody wants to come to me in my group. Like they're, they're on a waiting list because of who I am and how I show up. It's because I take a certain type of care of people that's different than my 
uh, other, well, male partners. And I don't know how much that has to do with them being male and me being female, but I just am different than them Mm -hmm. and unique and people want that. So I was just talking to my surgery scheduler the other day. She has a stack of, of booking sheets and there's no space for me to do them because our hospital too, by the way, is like really low on personnel. I mean, it's a post COVID mm-hmm. issue. So you yeah. not being able to get OR time. I've, I've heard people get coached on this over and over again recently because it's, it's affecting everybody. Right. Um, but the fact is, is like, there's a stack of cases that need to get done. And my partners, some of them, not all of them, but some of them don't have that stack. And it's just because of who I am and you know, how I show up to take care of these people. Now I'm not saying that that's like better or worse than anybody. It's just my way. So Mm -hmm. what is your way? Like, how do you, like, you already started to kind of talk about the things that you do that seem like you kind of described yourself as the social person who can really go face to face and provide educational opportunities for people and like connect on a different level with people in your community and I'm telling you, people are thirsty for that stuff. People don't necessarily want to do it the new millennial way. Like that, that has its role, but the way your voice is and the way you go out and the way you connect with people really matters. So I guess I'd like to just offer or ask you to question this idea that you won't get enough business because I don't think that that's true. I mean, you definitely won't get enough business if you stay here in this unintentional model. So we know that's for sure. Like if you just give up, then you're for sure not going to get the business. But I would just like to offer that if you really get curious about that and like, what is it that you really want to show your community and they'll respond? Um, yeah, so my, I'm in a um, big city um, that is quite quite saturated with orthopedic surgeons. Um, I'm lucky um, that I even have this job. I've actually been looking um, in the area for a few years because I thought I wanted to live here. Um, But Mm -hmm. like a lot of cities, um, COVID has, um, you know, made a lot, uh, presented a lot of issues that maybe didn't exist Um, Mm pre-COVID. So I don't doubt that one day I will have the volume. especially if they're saying that I'm doing so well now, like I booked a case like on my third day of practice, which they Mm -hmm. were, you know, so impressed with. Um, It's more that um, I, I believe I can do it. I know it's going to take time just given the situation here Um, right now. There's, there's only four of us in the group. One's not a surgeon. The other three are surgeons. The other two don't take any call. So the only, and I, I don't have hospital privileges yet because you know, they like to work as fast as a turtle does. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now the only new patients we're getting are direct referrals or I guess like one of the urgent cares will refer to us. Um, so for me, the way I've done it is I have insisted that the marketing person, you know, take me when she does her little donut deliveries to go make, meet the doctors. And then, mm-hmm. um, I've done some on my own, um, because she, like I said, we have different philosophies, so I don't think she likes bringing me along to do that. I think she likes to just drop off a business card and leave. Um, but the group, uh, the partners were so um, impressed that the other day I took this positive patient experience and went downstairs and 
met his PCP, got through the front door because, um, you know, the staff in the front is like a bunch of bulldogs and said, oh, I have a patient I have to discuss with him. He had no idea I was in the building. And mm-hmm. um, he actually told me that our rival group um, is no longer on this like big insurance plan that the academic place does because these doctors mm-hmm. are with the academic group. And so as long as they refer like within the insurance plan, it's okay. And mm-hmm. that's like huge, huge news um, that now will hopefully open the door for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I actually Googled myself to see if anyone had left me a review. And there was um, a patient who was really concerned that I was going to inject like the COVID vaccine into her and this and that and whatever. And she was like so impressed with how I sort of handle her. She left me a five-star review. So Mm -hmm. the way I do things is very like personable, um, you know, really thinking about what they need and their needs. Um, I saw one of my post-ops back the other day. Um, He is the son of one of our referring physicians. The case took a while because I felt like I had a lot of pressure on me to do really great. And he's doing amazing. Like he's mm-hmm. so happy and I'm so happy. So mm-hmm. I feel like I have a lot to offer in the way I do things. It's just going to take time. And I feel like by bringing this new person in, they're not even giving me the chance to sort of build that because nobody else in the group would have gone downstairs and like insisted on talking to that PCP and maybe opened like a huge door for us. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple times, it's going to take time. Yeah. So building a practice takes time, but also getting these people to know how you operate, how you are, like who you are, how, how your gifts and your contributions to the group, it's going to take time for them to learn. Yeah. So the question I have for you is, is do you want to do that or not? Do you want to? Do you want to stay there and like make a go of it? Because you have the choice. You have the choice to like think they're going to replace me. And it may not feel like that's a choice because it is probably a predominant thought right now, which is fine. All it all, you know, we don't necessarily make that thought go away. It's just like we share space with other things. Because just now, when you kind of kept going, you, you listed a bunch of things that were so authoritative that, that showed how you are like really kind of, you know, powerful in, in your own experience. Like you're doing things your way and you're getting like, you're reaping those rewards from doing things your way. So my question is, is how, what kind of a intentional model can we make for you so that when you're stuck in this unintentional model, which is normal, that you just have this other option you could shift to and share a little bit of airtime? Um, the, I guess one thing I should mention that kind of complicates this picture is I absolutely need to stay here for two years so I can take my boards. Um, with my, I couldn't take my boards because with the other job that, you know, they got rid of me with, uh, when I was in my boards collection and then it was COVID and I couldn't find a job. So I basically had to go Mm -hmm. into a fellowship. So I need to stay here for two years at least. And then I can kind of decide long-term if I think that this is going to 
work out or not. And I think um, now that we're talking about it, that's actually the part that's stressing me out is that um, there's actually another group in town that has reached out to me um, Mm -hmm. because they are hiring now. Um, Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so should something happen, if I wanted to stay in this, in the city, I do have another option, but I just really, really need to stay in this practice and take my boards. So I think that's what, besides the money part and the building a practice part, it was, uh oh, am I going to be in a situation where I have to like start all over and not take my boards or not be able to take my boards right now? So, you know, that's actually a good thing because that takes one decision out of, off your plate. Like you have yeah. to pay. You're, you're going to be there for two years. So do you want to be there yeah. and be miserable for two years? Or do you want to be there and be you and be like, you know, the, the force, the force of nature that it sounds like you are mm-hmm. that's, that's option. That's optional, right? Like if you have, so are you saying you have to stay in the group for two years or you have to stay in the city? For two years? I think I have to stay in the group. Cause I had asked the board, um, with my other job, if I went to another job in the city, could I just still take my boards? And they told me no, because there was like no guarantee that my patients would follow me there. Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. I think if they did, maybe it would count, but yeah. So like that's one less decision to make. So that's even better. So if you're going to be there, so here's the other thing to just kind of consider, like, say you get to the end of your two years and you want to, you want to get out of there do you think it will be easier or harder to get the, the next best job if they had a really good experience with you or they had a bad experience with you? Like who had a good experience with me. If your group, when you Mm -hmm. like at the end of two years and you're, and you're ready to like either stay or go. And if you're going to go, do you think that it will be good for you getting your next job. If you have a good relationship with these people. Yeah, it would be. Or if you have a negative relationship with these people. If there was a good one. Right. There's a lot of stuff here just from a very practical standpoint Mm -hmm. is in my, I mean, as I look at it as like a little bit of a no brainer, Mm -hmm. knowing that this, the unintentional models is a trauma response, which you can work through. If yeah. you want, if you want, right. Is it, so, so if you got to stay there and you're going to take your boards, like, who do you want to be during that two years? Like irrespective of those guys, who do you want mm-hmm. to be? I mean, I would like to be a productive, um, you know, well-respected surgeon who takes good care of people and, you know, sort of is known for being, um, you know, the nice thing about our group is we're not a factory. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the groups in the area were very, cause we know we're a small group. So it's very much one-on-one care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. So I w- would want to, you know, continue building a practice on that, that you're not just a number when you come and see me, this is not a factory. You get, um, good personalized care. There's good outcomes, you know, a surgeon who's like really thinking of you and taking care of you. Um, I may have to adjust my expectations on volume and that's like, you know, something I can just figure out with the group later. Um, mm-hmm. because I think I would like to be, cause I actually asked this surgeon that had quote retired what his volume was when he was mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not as high as I want my volume to be. Um, and he was taking huge call back then. So mm-hmm. I may just have to adjust that expectation. Um, sure. but that's fine. Um, 
but you know, just the, the surgeon in the area, who's not just, you know, I'm not just a robot. You don't just see my PA, you get to come to see me and you have, you know, hopefully really good outcomes, um, with your surgery. So is this fair? I'm just trying to set you up for something you can refer to. Like I'm going to do what it takes to take great care of patients. If you just, I know I made that up. That didn't come from your brain, but it's kind of like a summary of what you just described. So if you think about that, like, if you think about like, you know, that I take one-on-one care, it's very personal with me. I do my best for you for every single person. I will give you everything I have. Like, how do you feel when you think like that? I mean, it's a true statement. Like uh, you and I had, when we've worked together before the, um, the intentional model, the thought was I don't half-ass things. So That's I'm right. like trying to tell myself that, you know, throughout this is like, okay, whatever he can come, but I don't half-ass things. That's exactly right. I'll put that too. And so when you think that thought, what do you, how do you feel? I mean, I feel good because I believe it. It's true. I don't half-ass things, Um, you know. Do you feel powerful? Do you feel committed? Do you feel motivated, enthusiastic? Do you feel joy? What is it that you like really feel in your body when you're like, you know what? Like, this is me. This is just how I take care of people. I think probably committed is the best word. Um, Cause like I said, with the uh, OR here, the staff is great. They just, you know, they don't have my equipment. They haven't done this before. So things are just mm-hmm. taking a while. So mm-hmm. when I kind of feel from them, like, Oh, we're trying to go home, blah, blah, blah. I just tell myself, you know, I don't have fast things. I'm going to take care of this patient. This is what we need to focus on right now. Um, yeah. So I think committed's a good word. I don't necessarily feel powerful. I wish I felt a little more powerful with that, but I definitely feel committed because I think it's true. Cool. So, and when you feel committed, what do you do? I just keep doing what I do. I mean, I spent this patient that I just told you, the son of the referring doctor. I think I spent way too much time on his surgery. I don't think other people would have, but Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that I did everything to, you know, give him a good outcome and he's happy. So when I think that I just keep doing what I'm going to do. Like, I don't feel comfortable just kind of being um, cavalier about things um, because if something were to happen, then, you know, that would bother me. Um, So I just, when I think that thought, I just keep doing what I need to do, which is take my time, do the case. um, And then unfortunately, because of the way um, things happen so far with like losing a job during COVID, going to a fellowship, I have to remind myself that I'm really a first year attending. Like Mm -hmm. even though I graduated from my original fellowship a few years ago, I'm a first year attending. So I just need to give myself a break. Um, So that's kind of the process, you know, the things I think when I'm in that situation. So look at the difference here. It's like the actions from that feeling of committed is like, you do you, you don't compromise your values for patient care. You take your time, you give yourself a break. And so basically here is you're making it easy to take great care, make it, make it easy for yourself to take good care of patients. And you make it easy for them to love you or however Mm -hmm. you want to say it. Yeah. Make it easy for group, for group to value you. It's like you value yourself. They value you too. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, we all know this isn't like a magic wand. It's, it's just giving yourself an alternative, an alternative place for your brain to focus. We're so used to focusing on the unintentional model. And that is totally fine. It's just that our brain will not go anywhere else unless we give it a direction to go. Mm -hmm. And this having this kind of handy, I think could potentially help you just redirect because when you're able to allow yourself to redirect, you'll start to see evidence that supports all of the wonderful things that are actually happening, or you'll allow yourself uh, to see evidence of things not being as bad as they seem. For example, like I heard in your voice, just the tone of your voice in that second part, when we were talking just now, like, yeah, well, it's just going to take time. It's like a lightness to it. It's like, well, yeah, of course it's going to take time. Um, Whereas in the first description, it was like, there's a heaviness in your tone. So I know Mm -hmm. that that's like from a, like a a neurobiological perspective, just shifting your focus just a little bit is going to help you start to notice other things in your environment that will then support whatever it is you really want to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can definitely, yeah, I definitely felt that even when we were talking just, um, the feel and the tone. Um, so I guess my question is, so this intentional model seems sort of like patient centered, cause obviously that's how I practice, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, an underlying thought, which I had mentioned, like during the thought download is, okay, I'm going to take care of patients the best I can. I'm going to do what I can, but you know, it sounds like, you know, they're going to bring this person on. Um, they tell me I have a choice, but I don't think I really do in like uh, mm-hmm. saying no. Um, is like the financial aspect of it. Cause my thought was when I signed the contract, I'm going to do everything I can. And if it's not enough and there's like a salary cut the second year, that's okay. I did everything I can. Mm-hmm. But I think the other underlying thing is, is like, well, I'm stuck here for boards and may have to like take a salary cut because I am stuck here type of thing. And I think that's, that's sort of hard to resolve. Yeah. I mean, I think I would just, uh, invite you to work through it in a similar way. Like you're basically deciding ahead of time, you're going to have to take a salary cut. We don't know that's true or not. We don't know that you're going to have to take a salary cut. Maybe you do, maybe you don't like, so you have to take a salary cut BFD for one year. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of people have to take a salary cut and they recover from it. Yeah. Lots of people lose their job or change their job and then they recover from it. So just Mm -hmm. because that is a possibility doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be something you can't handle and it hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. It will for sure happen if you like, um, I shouldn't say for sure. It's more likely to happen if you disengage. Right. No, that's, that's true. Yeah. Like the, you know, what I'm envisioning is, is people are going to be like, who is this person? Oh my gosh. She actually gives a damn. Oh my gosh. This, she came and talked to me. Of course, I'm going to send my patients to her. Like it's just seems like a no brainer. And then soon you're going to have a stack of booking sheets and you're going to have a wait list for people to come in and see you. It's like one, one little domino falls at a time. 
Yeah. Um, I think this is really going to help people because these kind of job shifts are really common right now. And people are going through all kinds of different scenarios with, um, kind of how COVID has impacted different practice models. Like even employed people just got flat out, let go. Like they just were like, well, you're done. Um, so there is this, you know, big environment right now. And it's really an opportunity for people to decide what they really, really want for their practice. Um, okay. So I'm going to st- thank you so much for sharing Aurora. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm going to uh, mute you and then we have about 10 minutes left. So do we have any comments from the gallery? Do we have anybody else who wants to do like rapid fire coaching here at the end of the hour? Kelly, do you have anything you wanna add? I would add only from like a a homework a homework practice like what do I do now Aurora right is like what do I do now when tomorrow all the shit comes down on my head again is if you can practice seeing like where what I'm worried about what's the problem here what's my underlying you know reason for my action and just start kind of paying attention to it and you'll start catching it yourself like, no, I wanna go meet those primary care docs because I have energy and I'm excited to, or I'm just doing this because I feel like I'm gonna lose my job and get a page cut. Like if you can, like that underlying reason for your actions, just to become more aware of what's driving you in the day and kind of, it'll kind of catch your stress that way of like, oh, my energy wants me to do this because it's joyful and I want to, and that's my personality, or man, I'm doing this because of fear. And only as like a homework exercise of like paying attention to how you're responding to the world. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's like the difference between clean energy and toxic energy. It's like, are we doing something because we really want to, because it's like lights us up, or are we doing this out of obligation or fear? It's interesting. Um, okay. So we have a hand raised. Let's see if we can do rapid fire. Here we go. Fam, you should be good to go. Hey, good morning. Hi. Okay. I have a quick thing we could talk about. Um, I am trying to work through this quick. Um, so sometimes, well, a lot of times I will wake up because I'm a middle-aged woman at, you know, in the middle of the night at like four 30 and I'll just lay there and then, I'll be like, if I got up and did, you know, exercise or do some of these coaching, run some models or whatever, um, that would be a great use of time or get to the hospital early to start rounds. And, um, but a lot of times I'll just lay there (laughs) and I read this article about this CEO and, um, I think he had said something like he was gifted with the opportunity that he wakes up at four 30 and he can just get a lot done at four 30. And I think I need to change my thinking of how we, um, how waking up at four 30 is like, man, I wish I could have slept a little longer to, wow, I'm up at four 30. I can get stuff done now. Okay. So what do you, um, here, let me see if I can share screen again. And 
This is interesting because I, I don't want to tell you my thing, but I've recently changed my own thinking about this. Um, so I don't want to have an agenda for you. <laughs> That's okay I learned a lot from you. So. <laughs> okay. So let's put waking up at 430 in the sea line. Yes. And how are you currently thinking about it? This sucks. <laughs> and then when you think this sucks, how do you feel? Sorry for myself. Um, yes. Okay. And when you feel sorry for yourself, what do you do? Lay there longer. Not get stuff that, done. Don't you don't don't get stuff done, but also you're not resting either. Yes, exactly. I'm worrying. And you worry. Okay. And then when, so basically you make it suck. Yes. Right. So let me just clarify something. You're getting up at four 30. Cause that's just when your body just wakes up. So it's not like you're like beating yourself up. I need to get up at four 30. Right. I need to set my alarm. Blah. I need to be no. like a Navy seal and run on the beach. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, um, so your body just like, boom, it wakes you up. Uh huh. Okay. So now how do you really want to feel or, or think about it? Like really, really in your heart of hearts. Wow. I'm ready to go. <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm ready to go. And then how do you feel when you think that thought? Energized. Okay. And then when you feel energized, what do you do? Get stuff done. Okay, so then your result is, is basically you go. Now, can you identify for yourself like what the block is? Like what comes up for you? Uh, it's probably something about um, I, it's something wrong with me that I don't want to get out of bed. It, 430. Mm. It's always something wrong with me. Right. So there's something wrong with me that I don't want to just like hop out of bed and start doing push-ups. So what's what do you think that is? Like it's got to be deeper. Um where do you feel resistance? Like, or how can you articulate your resistance to getting up at 430? I'm not sure. Okay. That's okay. So that might just be like one place for you to kind of just get curious right now. Yeah. Um, I just like to offer a couple physical things. Like if you, when you're getting curious, like take notes or develop some kind of awareness of the state of your body. Like, mm -hmm. are, do you feel rested? Do you feel like, um, are you, like what kind of shape is your body in, in that moment? Is your body feeling what way? So, and now I will tell you how I've changed my thoughts. Cause I get up early as well, not four 30, but like usually around five. And there are some days when I'm ready to go, like when I'm up and I'm doing my thing, cause I really love my alone time in the morning, like uh -huh. it's just my gift to myself. And I'm pretty unapologetic about it now. But there are other days when I don't feel like getting up and getting ready and going. And those are the days I used to beat myself up. But what I've learned to do is understand like, why don't I want to get up right now? What does my body need 
me to pay attention to. And what I've come down to is just accepting the fact that sometimes I need to rest. And when you need to rest, when you're beating yourself up about not getting out of bed, you're not resting. So it's like you're depriving your body of the experience, whether or not you get out of bed. So either you get up and you do your thing or you stay in bed and rest. But if you're there beating yourself up about not getting up, that's where I think there's like the issue. So that's why I wondered if you could just take a little bit of time and notice what your body needs. And then maybe you get up or maybe you don't, but you don't, you don't beat yourself up either way. Yeah, that's good. Kelly, I think you're an early morning exercise kind of gal. So oh, I have a, oh, I have opinions on this one. Okay. This one's so good. Yeah. You say them in two minutes because I, yep. eat uh, so first of all, monks get up at four 30, uh, because it's, they think it's the best time of the day. It's quiet. They just do it naturally. There's nothing wrong with getting up at four 30 in the morning. Um, and so that's number one. Number two is when, cause I did this, I used to not work out. I used to not work out in the morning. I had to do tons of brain stuff on that. And I'm, I always, I, I get up in the morning to work out now. And I still tell myself, ah, not today. Ah, I should really rest. Uh, am I, am I, am I, should I rest more? Your brain will always offer those thoughts, always offer those thoughts. And you say, oh, you're just sleepy, but you love working out. You're going to get up or you just ignore those thoughts, knowing it's a natural part of how your brain is waking up. You're not alert enough to like only be thinking intentional thoughts, right? So those brain thoughts, well, they'll always be there. They will be there five years after you love getting up at 4.30 in the morning. And then my one final thought is just be mindful of like, if you're maybe telling somebody, oh, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I do my blah, blah, blahs. They might tell you that you shouldn't right? And just be very careful of like other people telling you if you should and shouldn't do this, because that's just going to add to those thoughts of like, should I be doing this? So it's like, filter that and filter your brain and monks do it. And just whatever your why is, just don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. So here's one more kind of like action item that I just will offer. Um, I've been using when I first wake up, I will use the first like two minutes or so to do some meditation as it were. So like I just laying flat in my bed and I really start to kind of um, think and feel and set some intentions for myself. Um, And I'm not as committed to like exercising every day in the morning, but um, like sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't, I have like a lot less, uh, like a lot less of a specific routine, but it all, it usually goes in the same um, time frame because I like to make my daughter's lunch and I like to drink coffee and I like to sometimes do my notes and I like to like do all kinds of stuff like that in the morning. Um, but I notice if I don't like direct things when I first wake up, like do that sort of intentional thing where I'm like really tuning in, I'm like scanning, I'm being like, just, I mean, intentional is the best word. It's like setting a, it's like setting your trajectory for the day. I notice things are very different if I don't do that. So that's awesome. a little 
action item. Okay, so that's it. Oh, I would I would plug the Think Like a Monk book. That's going to be the book club at the end of this month because he that's where there's a lot of four thirty stuff and them getting up and <laughs> what your brain tells you. I love I it. I just got it from Amazon, so I'm going to read it. Sweet, it's good. All right, take care, everybody. Thank you for your time this morning. We love Thank you. you.